0: Can we give God one more hand clap for what he has done and what he's doing? Uh, We serve a good and gracious, gracious God. Uh, Today, uh, we're going to continue in our sermons entitled Upside Down Living. Uh, But before I get into that, I want to take just a minute of our time uh, just to uh, 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 take us back two or three I think it was the last Sunday in August where we talked about trusting God. The um, that in this season we're called, that God has called us to be in this uh, three-month uh, uh, season of trusting God. And to us, here's what that looks like. Uh, in our last family meeting, uh, a statement was made uh, because the, we, are, we are in hunt for a building. Now, we are a church plant, been around now, praise God, for 19 months, and God has done a lot of amen through us and in us, but now, man, we're praying that God would, man, God would uh, bless us with a building. Now, we had our eyes set on a building, that building came and it went, but in that, uh, there was a member of Omni that said, why should we wait then to start raising money for that? Let us trust God. It was uh, uh, one noted author said that trusting God is taking a step where you see no staircase. Just saying, God, we trust that when we take this step, you will create a staircase for us. And so, Omni, we are in this season over the next three months, we're going to be trusting God with our giving. Uh, now, what we did say was that, man, we're asking God in this season for those who had not been giving to God to start giving. Uh, man, we would love everybody to practice the tithe out of grace and not law. That tide should not be your ceiling or it should not be your bottom. That wherever God puts in your heart to give to him in a reflection out of a out of a reflection of gratitude for His grace found for you in Christ, that we are to give, uh, that we want to start giving consistently a number uh, 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 that would, that would that would display our faith. But also, we are asking in this uh, in this three month season to put forth what we've called extreme generosity, that is to go up, to go above your normal giving. And now, our goal is giving you a particular number to help us to reach our goal as a church plant. Now, our goal for us raising inside is $50,000. That's coming from us, coming out of Omni, that's so, uh, raise also that same number. So ideally, we want to have uh, somewhat uh, near or over $150,000 by the end of October. We say that's big number, man, but we should a big God who's done big things in our lives, more so down to the depths of our soul. But he rescued you. He saved you. So giving to a God, giving to a God who loves and saves is no big task for us. And And so what we've done, we created a gift chart. That gift chart should be up on the screen. And this is the correct chart, amen? Now, and so we're praying that over the next three months that you would find, that you would pray to God. The, the goal here is to see God. Now, in giving, I've learned this, that in giving, God is not asking from you. It's something done for you. That when it comes to giving, it's something done for us, not something that God wants from us. And so, man, we're asking you to find yourself uh, somewhere on this chart. This is a discipleship uh, chart. And, man, you know, it was, y'all, I to give you just uh, a praise, when we preached this sermon that Sunday, someone on that Sunday gave us $5,000. So God is already at work in and through us. No, no, no. We're not asking you to give five thousand. If you want to, you can. Amen. That's between you and God. Amen. Uh, uh, we would love to actually to go to surpass our number, but we're having also a big give day. That's, uh, that is on the 21st. On the no, that's on the 28th. I'm sorry, the 28th of October. We changed it, we moved it. So our big give day is October 28th. We will have. Security present, just in case. Amen, amen, amen. We, we trust God, but we do not trust the world. Amen. Amen. So there will be uh, uh, some guys uh, on the inside with a gun. Amen. Just in case. Amen. Uh, you get a, a, some foggy ideal. Amen. And so uh, uh, October 28th, we'll have a big give day. Amen. We're praying that on that day that God will blow our mind. That God would do something at Army as a young church parent, that would blow our minds. And so October 28th, that's the big give day. And so we're asking you, man, to, man, to pray, to save, to make some life changes, if, if need so, uh, 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 for this to be a great day that we celebrate the work of God. Done through feeble men and women like ourselves. Amen? So that's going down on the, on the 28th of October. Now we were praying. My, my hope and my desire for you now is to pray. Not to be influenced by man, but to be influenced more so by God. And that God will lead you in what word word to give yeah, so, and so and in case you don't know, here's why we want a building. So I'm going to say a, a place that's permanent. Well, it's five if you're asking the guys who set up and turn down every day. Amen. But that's not in the four. Amen. That's our, a that's our way of us serving God. Amen. And so n- number one, we want to have a permanent place to proclaim the gospel. Just have a place that we can call our own, that we proclaim the gospel of Christ faithfully in that place. Number two, we we want a place to help equip the saints for ministry and to do the ministry that God has set before Omni. Number three, man, we want to serve our community. We want to serve our community. So proclaim the gospel, equip the saints, serve our community, and then prayerfully from that place plant more churches. We want to be about planting churches. So that's the why for a building. That's the why and why we're asking you to see God on what it is that God is asking you to give in this season. Again, it's trusting, it's leaning, it's leaning on God. It's trusting God in this season because I'm still on a time. Amen. They got me on a time now, y'all. Amen. They got me going today. Amen. Praise God. So uh, let me pray briefly over myself and then we'll get into God's word. Father God, we do thank you for for who you are and God, what you do and what you've done and what you will do in our lives. We praise you that the God, the, the creator of all, he lives in us to do great and big things that reflect his character and his work in our lives. God, I pray that we would continue to allow the Holy Spirit to do great and mighty things in us and through us that folk see and talk about our Father who is in heaven. Will you now, God, bless me as I proclaim your word faithfully to your people. Give me preaching grace to do it where you are satisfied and your people are edified. And lastly, Satan is horrified. Will you do it for your glory and for our deepest good? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Every son and daughter of God should always be happy. Say it again. Every son and daughter of God should always be happy. And I wonder if this is a description of those who know you best. Is this how one would describe you in your home, at your job, at school, on your block or in your neighborhood? Would they describe you as a happy person? See, when we are not happy, it I think it's, it's, it's for those of us who know God, it's, it's, it's a lack of understanding of who he is and what he does, more so than us not being happy. See, when you look at the Bible, man, The Bible says a lot of great things, all great things about God. In Matthew chapter 11, verse uh, uh, 7, 11, it says this, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? James, his half-brother, says this of God, Every good and perfect gift, is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change, like the shifting of shadows. David, in his in his psalm, said this about God in Psalm one nineteen. It says, "You are good and you do good. Teach us your statutes. See, it is because our God is good and does good. It should make our soul." Happy, because we know that if that, that if happiness is based off of happenings, the happenings of God should make us happy in God see 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 it's, it's, it's in love He chose us it, it was it is before God created the world, He chose us and he adopted us. It is because of his in Christ, in the cause of Christ, that we've been granted eternal life. That is to come and to know the one true God and the Son whom he sent. See, all these are based off of his happenings. And if it's, it's true, the rescued, the redeemed part of us should be happy always and a God who always does good b- because God always is good now God is also holy so he's not in this business of making our flesh happy ah, no, 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 no. the part that he redeemed the soul that that deep part of us where, where God himself raised from the dead That part of us. I like how uh, 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 John Owen said that man, that God delights in making our soul happy. Again, does this describe you? Are you happy even though things on earth happen and whether our flesh is displeased? you know that God is able in causing all things to work together for our good because he loves us. We've been called according to his purpose. Does knowing that about God make you happy? And the only way that we recognize and see this is through Repentance. It is our repentance from sin to God in Christ, applied by the Spirit of God, that we're able to see, oh, oh, he's sovereign, he's good, and he does good, and he's causing all things to work out for my good. Only a saved individual comes to this realization the last week, I defined for you briefly what is repentance. Because if we're going to, to live this radical life, seeing in the Sermon on the Mount, it's going to be made possible by us repenting often to God. I said last Sunday, if you're not repenting much, you're probably growing little. That the mark of a saved son and daughter of God is a life of repentance. If you're not repenting, I guarantee you are not growing. I define it as this. It uh, It is the initial and ongoing work of God granted by God. Through the Holy Spirit for us to receive, here it is, to experience the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God now. Don't miss the end part. Now, Christ came preaching this and we saw it last week in Matthew chapter 4 where Christ says, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. In Luke 27 Twenty-one. He says, "See here or there, for you see the kingdom of God is in your midst. Of heaven is here, and now, and don't get it twisted. That's me. That in me abides the King of Kings and the kingdom of God. And those who repent, they enter in, live in, dwell in, enjoy the King and His kingdom." See when he saved us, he, 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 he raised us up, and he seated us in Christ in the heavens, while at, at the same time making us citizens of the same heaven. And though I, and though I, I'm living here on earth, please know I, I have a passport to heaven, and my passport is made by the person of Jesus. That it's because of him that I live on the earth. I truly belong in heaven where my Savior is. And so here it is. We're called. We're called here on earth. On here. And when we repent and put our faith in Jesus, we experience the literal presence of the king. <laughs> we are citizens of a different kingdom. We 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 have experienced the greatest miracle of all time that is being transferred from the kingdom of the darkness to the kingdom of His beloved Son. That miracle has happened to anybody who trusted in Jesus. So because of that, we should live. Because we've been raised up and left down, we're called to live this radical life that we've called the upside down kingdom. Or, or, or upside down living. That our lives on earth should be so radical that people should find us strange. Aliens. You something wrong with y'all. You get bad news and you smile. Why? Our God is sovereign. See, 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 ha- the happenings on earth don't distort my happiness and my soul. <laughs> just, well you know he's yours. And that the kingdom is yours. And that I really don't belong here anyway. Whatever happens down here, I'm fine. Because one day we read a new heaven. And a new earth will fall. That's my home. That's the home I'm waiting for. Looking towards living in. And I got my own mansion. and Because we have this outlook in life, it's caused us to live radically different here on earth. Again, this is what the Sermon of the, on the Mount reflects. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. Go ahead and find on your device or in your Bible, Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be there for a while, for, for, for some 30 some weeks, amen. We're going to be in this sermon for a long time, learning how to live this upside-down life. So we're here, Matthew, author by Matthew, his purpose is to reveal to the Jews that, hey, man, Christ is the promised Messiah that we read about in Scripture, Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, y'all, he quotes the Old Testament more than the other three Gospels combined. He cites the Old Testament some 130 times. Matthew knows his book, y'all. He knows his Bible. And in that, he's also proven that through the Old Testament, again, that Christ, he, that Jesus Christ is a Messiah. And so now you have Christ who's come, born, he's been born in Matthew chapter 1. Uh, uh, his hostility and re- rejection is, is foreseen in chapter 2. And in chapter 3, we see, that, we see him combining the role of son and servant, and yet not avoiding the cross. He's willing to go to the cross for the salvation of not himself but for us. And Matthew chapter 4, he's, he's, he, 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 he handles the, the temptations of Satan. By staying true, by loving his Father. And by loving his Father, he does not fall into temptations. See, he does not sin because he loves God. He loves his Father. So he he cleaves to him and not to sin. And so now he's worthy, he's commissioned and made worthy now to be the Savior of the world because he did not succumb to the sins of Satan, the world. In this passage so in, in, in matthew chapter f- uh, 5 he's now about to throw it down this is the greatest sermon preached by the greatest preacher of all time it is the longest recorded sermon in the new testament and it's called the sermon on the mount so let's let's go ahead and, and read for, for your hearings those first three uh uh, uh verses so i got a lot to cover i gotta go amen When we saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his his disciples came to him, and then he began to teach them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. I got something to say about the crowds, but I can't, but I want to highlight something about the mountain. The mountain in the, in the gospel of Matthew is, our uh, mountains, they are a thing that Matthew seems to admire. See, it was in chapter 4 of the gospel on the mountain that Jesus was tempted by Satan. Here in chapter 5 on the mountain, he's going to proclaim the gospel. In Matthew chapter 7, is called, uh, he's going to transfigure himself to the sons of thunder. And, and, and in Matthew 28, it's called the mountain of farewell, where he's giving his closing discourse to his disciples. Now, why am I highlighting that? Because really, for us who know our Bible and, and, and all you do, the mountain is even key in the Bible. If you think about Exodus chapter 19, we see Moses going on a mountain to receive the law of God for the people of God to live in the land promised by God. Here we see the greater Moses, one who is more superior than Moses on a mountain, teaching the word of God for the people of God, trying to instruct them on how to live in the kingdom of God. The mountain is critical in his under and his preaching. But also we see that sub point the mountain provides concaves and the sea allows good acoustics for him to preach the gospel. He's on a mountain, sitting down, and accepted form of teaching from the rabbis of his day, and he's about to proclaim the gospel of Jesus and describe how this upside-down life found in the kingdom, literally in him, the king in the kingdom, how we are to live this, this kind of life, for the glory of Him and and, and for and for the good of our souls, it says that, it says, "Blessed are the poor in spirit." For the really, you can't because man, he says it eight times and 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 describing it. It, it, it is an adjective that describe those who have repented and entered into His kingdom. So, what's the big deal about the word blessed? Well, this section of Scripture is called. The Beatitudes. Now you see the word "beatitude" nowhere here. So why do we call this section the first twelve verses of the sermon the the Beatitudes? Well, I I, I am glad you ask. "Beatitude" is a Latin word where we found a, a, this term called the the word literally means happy. It means blessed. It means fortunate. It means congratulated. Here, he, the, the, the word actually, you can actually say happy. So 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 the Beatitudes are eight descriptions that describe the happiness of those who found the kingdom of God in Christ himself. But this isn't the first time we see the word blessed. The, if you go back to the Old Testament, the, there's a more general sense of the word described from god even in genesis chapter one where he says uh, where it says god saw all things he had made and declared that it was very good in a sense all of god's because god had created it all of creation was good it was blessed now in genesis chapter three sin uh, creeps in, and so now we, we 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 take now these gifts of God, who is a blessed God, and we start turning these gifts more so than actually uh, th- th- that causes us to uh, adore Him. We start now using the gifts to benefit ourselves and not to bless God back. But 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 because God is faithful, we see in Genesis chapter 12, God calls a God named Abram out from a from a land of heathens and say, Abram. I'm going to bless you and bless those who bless you, and I'm going to bless your seed. God is still true to who he is. So God calls a man who who in time calls a people, and he blesses them. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 7, God takes a people from Abraham, grows them, and then he blesses them by setting his love on them. And, and then in the same book, in, in I think it's chapter 28, he describes what it is for his people to be blessed. Now, oddly enough, two-thirds of that chapter describes curses. Uh, uh, curses. That is, uh, what comes on us, uh, on, 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 on his people who do not obey him. But then you see the first beatitude of the Bible, and it says in Psalm 1, how happy or how blessed is the one who, the, who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, nor stand in the pathway of sinners, or sit in the company of mockers." So you see, kind of like the, like, like the first beatitude. But then you see it again in, in Psalm 22, but it uses the word joyful. It says here, how joyful, a deeper meaning of the word. How joyful is the one whose transgressions is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How joyful is a person whom the law does not charge with iniquity and whose spirit is no deceit. Now, now, over there, we should be shouting. Because here's in God making possible, making happen our sins being covered. All of our sins, if you have trusted in Jesus Christ, he has forgiven you of all your sins. Like when God the Father looks at you through Christ, he sees a blank sheet of paper, but it's covered by the blood of Jesus. And because your sins are forgiven, can I say you are blessed? You are fortunate? Made happy? How can you be other than when you are forgiven? You are blessed indeed. If God does nothing else but just forgive you of all your sins, causing you to live with him for eternity. You are blessed, my friend. You can lose your car, lose your house, lose your job, but you're sick. You're still deemed blessed. And how many Christians walk around sad because things in the world happened to you unfavorably? You, you dwell in a world that is dark and perverse, a world cursed by sin, what do you expect? But you know God. You know Jesus. Why is that affecting you so much? Blessed one of God. Happy in the Lord. So good because of him. That's you. Listen, we... We, we will never be happy if it's predicated on us. If you who are sinful is the source and reason of your happiness, God bless you. Oh, God bless you. Oh. If your happiness is predicated solo if your spouse treats you better, love you always. If your friends always respect you and never lie on you, if your happenings, if your happiness is predicated on people, (laughs) can I say stop? Because you'll be so up and down and mostly down. Because people are not faithful. They are faithless. Trust in a faithful God. Our happiness should never be predicated on us, but on him. And if that insists that it's true, we are blessed. In Matthew chapter 5, here is, the, here is the context of their happiness, of them being blessed. They are waiting for a savior that, had been, that has been spoken about in the Old Testament. They're waiting for, and we read this last week, for a great light to shine in darkness, for a light to dawn in the depth of the sh- uh, in the death in the valley of the shadow of death. And Christ steps on the scene and says, "Hey, man, the one that you guys been looking for. I didn't come to free you physically. I've come to free you spiritually. So if you believe me, hear me say, you are now blessed." Because the man is on the scene now. The kingdom, the one talked about, he's here. So you are blessed because of God the Father sending us on the the earth to show us, to give us a glimpse of what the kingdom in eternity will look like in those who... Who, who repent and receive me. You experience that now. So blessed, happy, fortunate, congratulated on you because you know me. But he also describes now the, 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 the kind of people who are blessed. Y'all, this word is about to get tricky, y'all. Happy, he says, are the poor in spirit. Happy are the poor. in spirit. one author says this. Listen, to this y'all. This Steve. He, he says there is no one in the kingdom of God who is not poor in spirit. It is the fundamental mental characteristic of the Christian and of the citizen of heaven, uh, of heaven, and all other characteristics or in a sense, the result of this one thing. In other words, let me tell you what he's saying. If you are not this, you are not heals. If you're not poor in spirit, that is, come to acknowledge your spiritual lack and inability to produce or maintain the righteousness of God. Apart from the person and work of Christ, if you haven't come to that point, to where you cry out, I can't, but he can. I can't, but he has. I can't, but he will. You you have not yet reached rationale for this. In Romans chapter 3, it says this. What then, verse 9, are we better off? Not at all. For we have already, cha- been, uh, already charged that both Jews and Gentiles are all under sin. Now y'all listen. I did a a Greek study on the word all. And in my Greek, all meant all. All didn't mean some. All meant all. All are under sin. As it's written, there is No one, y'all, I I did it again. Greek study means no one. Righteous, not even one. Get this, there is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike have become worthless. There is no one who does what is good, not even one. No one is good. It's good enough for no one. And the eyesight of God is good enough for God to say, you're good without Jesus. To go on. All alike have become worthless. That's you and me. There is no one who does what is good, not even one, but now. The righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God is through faith in Christ for all who believe. There is no distinction. If you want to be right with God, you you, got to be good in Jesus. There's no being good apart from Jesus. There's no being right apart Yes there's no being right before God outside of Christ Isaiah gives a horrific word picture of your works trying to please God he says in Isaiah 64, verse four, it says, "From ancient times, no one has heard, no one has listened to, no eye has seen any God uh, has seen any God a- except you who acts on behalf of the one who waits for him." Verse five. You welcome the one who, you welcome the one who joyfully does what is right. they remember you in all your ways. But we have sinned, and you are angry. How can we be saved if we remain in our sins? All of us have become like something unclean, and all our righteous acts are like a polluted garment. All of us wither like the leaf, and our iniquities carry us away like the Some would say in verse 6 that this polluted garment reminds you of a woman and what she goes through on a particular week of the month. God is saying, when you try to please me outside of Jesus... Can I describe to you how that looks? Your best works are filthy through and through. You can't please, God. Your best works can't please. Only Jesus. And what I'm trying to do for at the end of yourself. And just say over and over, God, I need you. Are you there? Your best works filthy to him outside of Jesus. Everyone, hear me this, everyone is powerless in their ability to to produce work that would please God. Everyone is helpless in their efforts to heal themselves of their sins. You can't heal your sin and you can't heal the sin of others. Everyone is bankrupt. When God, in your account for what he deems as righteous, your account is broke, busted, and disgusted. You are in the red. You are so far, so far in the hole when it comes to what what you have. To you can't offer God enough. Say, God, look what I have. Look, please. No, no. you bank account is zero, zelch, and the whole negative, down in the gutter, and the only person that can still it is Jesus. So he takes your account, which is empty. He says, give me your empty account, and I will give you my full account. So when God the Father looks at you through me, your account is always on full. Because it's mine. It is my righteousness. not yours. That's, that's, that's good news. That my account is always on full because of Jesus. And not because of what I do. And the reason why we can't, we can't get this is because, man, we are so busy trying to be present in God's presence. Can you stop for, can you chill out please? Can you be still and know I'm God? Just chill out. Enjoy me. And what I, just, 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 can you just, can you come with an empty hand and a desperate heart and say, God, I just need you. I'm a beggar. I have nothing. I'm wretched. I'm evil. I'm dumb, but I need you, who is is the total, complete opposite of who I am. That's what it means, the poor in spirit. And then the Bible says, those who have that kind of mindset, the result is the kingdom of heaven is yours. <laughs> for those who come like sins, for, for those who know their need for me and know they can't do it and they come empty-handed broken and contrite man hey the kingdom of god belongs to you whatever i have you can have whatever you need you got because you understand your need for me are we there yet do you understand your great need for god are you broken yet are you still self-righteous self-confident self-reliant Why settle? Why seek for self when you can enjoy the king and his kingdom? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Okay. What is worse than this is not realizing how broke, disgusted, and wretched you are. You are it, but you don't realize it. It kind of reminds me of a church that God, that Christ describes in Revelation. Y'all, I'm done. I kind of finished. I'm done. I can't finish, Amen. but this is it. This is it. Listen to this. Listen to this. He's describing a church, one of the seven churches in Ephesus. He's describing, watch this. Ooh, look, look what he says. This is what he says about a, about a church. He says, man, write to to the angel of, of the church of Laodicea. Thus says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the originator of God's creation. I know your works. That you are neither hot or cold. And I wish you were hot or cold. So because you are lukewarm, And neither hot or cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. This is Jesus saying this. You say, I'm rich. I have become wealthy. I need nothing. And you don't realize, y'all watch the indictment here, that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind. And naked. The church at Laodicea, because they didn't recognize their condition and state, they made God vomit. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven cannot be received when your hands are full, your heart is full, and you don't need God. It's only when your hands are empty, your heart is needy. And you see a great need for God. This is how constantly a child of the King that lives in His kingdom is to live. William Carey, William uh, I, 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 William Carey was, was a British was a British a British missionary. He had low self-esteem uh, he had the wrong view of God and sin uh, the guy that's man he lived a life of, of just suffering with all kinds of sickness. when things happened, he would blame God and not blame Satan one thing was this and uh one one incident that I know of is happened in 1812 18, when when his, uh, when, his, when his manuscripts were burned, when uh, w- burnt up, when his house was, w- 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 was actually burnt down. And, and, and the commentary said that he did not blame Satan. He, he, he didn't blame Satan. He said how he had a right to, a right to do it and we deserved his corrections. Didn't blame Satan, but he blamed God. He had this 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 this, 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 this inaccurate view of God, and how God acts. Anyway, he he goes on to live, uh, to outlive four of his comrades that he started on the mission field with, and that William Carey. God used this man to translate the entire Bible in six different languages. He was self-taught in Greek. Did not go to school. He taught himself Greek. The guy became smart by, by, by just being disciplined. He taught himself Greek. The entire Bible, he got to use them to translate in six different languages. Also, watch this. He helped and doing that same great work in 29 other languages the question is how can a man who has a wrong view of god well is useful and productive in in and god's work do that i mean how can he how how, how, how can he do it well he had a, a friend named andrew fuller and he said Andrew, when I die, I want you to write this in, write this in this tablet and 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 place this tablet on my grave when I die, so through affliction through sickness, and yet being used by God when he died uh, uh, he, he he had this he had he had written on this tablet this and uh, it said this cause, cause, like what is the sick how, how did he manage all of this work that that, that God used it for uh, it says here uh, on this tablet. It says, William Carey, born August 17th, 1761, died June 9th, 1834, a wretched, poor, and helpless worm, on thy kind arms I fall. His secret of living a life poor in spirit was that last line. On thy kind arms, I fall. Does that describe you daily? I'm a wretched, I'm a wretched sinner saved by Jesus. Only able to do what I do by the kind arms of God. I pray for us what John the Baptist said. God, you must keep on increasing while I keep on decreasing. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for what you are doing, for your good hand. For your word, God, will you please help us, God, to live this happy life, being, uh, uh, uh realizing how broke and how broken we are in Jesus. Help us, help us, like 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 William Carey, so that we all too are wretched sinners and weak, made strong by your kind arms. Will you please continue your your great work in and through us? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.